Good evening, everybody, and welcome to our first discipline spotlight tonight here on the SAEF, the South African Equestrian Federation's podcast from the horse's mouth. Tonight, starting in alphabetical order to avoid any in-house fighting, for which we are renowned, is our first discipline dressage. We're very happy to have in studio with us the president of DSA, Dressage South Africa, Diane Smith, and we will also have joining us later South Africa's uh, best scoring ever WEG World Equestrian Games competitor, Greta Ferreira, who has just married and is now Greta Hausman. But tonight, let's start with Di Smith. Di, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Is it fun being the president of DSA? Is it everything that you've hoped for so far? <laughs> Di's not quite sure how to answer um, that. <laughs> it, it isn't more. Um, congratulations for your daughter's success on the weekend. Um, Nicole had a really wonderful SA Championships. Yeah, she did. That's great. I think she won did she won the Big Tour class? Yeah, she well won the Big her... Tour classes and um, second in the pre-St. George in two classes and then mm, the amazing. first and second in the advanced in all the classes. And Nicole oh, herself has just come back from overseas, I think, last year. Yeah, she's been back from Germany. She was there for 10 years and she came back Crazy. last year. It's very, very grateful to be home. Oh, Although she sure. had fun there, yeah. I think it's a very different um, world to what everyone expects. Everyone thinks it's quite glamorous, and the reality is very far from that. Having been her groom many times, <laughs> and her father as well, I can tell you that there's absolutely nothing glamorous about it, about oh. the big shows. They're just absolutely exhausting. Yeah, They're sure. fun, but yeah. they're exhausting. Um, so, Jai, should we kick off? this evening just talking about a little bit of what the origins of dress like what is dressage okay so i'm okay. going to quote here because okay. i think it's it's easier but in its purest classical form the original aim of dressage was to train cavalry horses for war the word dressage comes from the french verb dresser meaning in the context of animals to train so in essence dressage is just the training of the horse and during the war, the difference between a well-trained horse and an ill-trained horse could literally mean the difference between life and death. I actually love that because I think, I think, and we were discussing it just before we started filming, that dressage should be the foundation of any equestrian sport, really. Yeah. But so basically, our dressage has gone far. The, you still have the Spanish riding school and... Um, I think, yes, yeah. Yeah, the Lipizzanas in and um the, I think it's the Cadre Noir in yes, France. Yes, and the, okay. the Spanish um the Andalusian school in Spain where they do the high school movements, okay. I think. But um it it has come away from that, but that is the origin. That is where it started. Okay. And I think it's interesting, and we'll discuss the coaching program later. However, that's like in many of the coaching programs that locally and internationally, dressage does feature as the foundation of those programs, that it's the basic training of the horse and the rider. It is. I, I don't, um, I think that when people hear the word dressage, they think, oh, stuck up, um, <laughs> boring, going round and round. But um, if you think of it, taking a horse onto a jumping course is probably as scary as trying to fight a war. And if your horse isn't properly trained, yeah, maybe if you've got a lot of guts, you get around. But imagine the improvement in performance obviously in eventing and every aspect of the sport when you think about it if you're just putting more gears yeah. into into your horse and um i said to someone the other day i've been riding a show jump and i said i cannot believe that anyone would want to ride without abs braking and power steering yeah, exactly so yeah. and i think there was actually someone i think the announcer at sa champs last week which was held at four riding center said that um show jumping is really just dressage with fences in between which i really liked should be it should be <laughs> um, so what are for anyone who's joining us for the first time what are the levels of dressage where would you start and where would you progress to okay so the levels are prelim which is basically basic well it's obedience in walk trot and canter with not that many um, other movements then you have the novice level which is also walk trot and canter and you have a lengthening of the trot and the canter so you would go a bit faster and a bit slower and you have the beginnings of moving the horse sideways as in um leg yield yes yeah we've yeah. got that in five yeah. and six I think. then okay. the next thing you have is the elementary level where the rider here so does learns to do sitting trot it's mm. it's expected and then the 
a little bit more of the um, changes of the gears going, you know, the different We've paces. got simple changes yes. and some shoulder Well, in. that and some yeah. shoulder in. So that's further progression of going sideways. Um, EM, they start to learn flying changes. And EM is a bit of a unique grade in South Africa. It's totally unique. Okay. There are that... talks of, of scrapping it and okay. going back to the old way. Which so was the just the elementary and, and then, then medium. Yes. Okay. So the reason it was put in was because mm. people had issues with flying changes. But I think we've come quite far away from that. Because half of EM is with changes, is without flying changes. Mm. And the other half is with it. Also more um, half passes yes. and things like yeah. that. Okay. And then medium is with all the flying changes and a bit more collection. Advanced has the canter collection with the heart, you know the beginnings of pirouettes and half pirouettes and that. And the first tempies, I yes. think. Yes, yes, the okay. rows of of flying changes, yeah. um, fours and threes, or maybe three across a diagonal, yes. whatever. And then pre-St. George, well, the small from, level. From pre-St. George on are the FEI tests. Those are the FEI okay. levels, yes. So below that, these are tests that have been structured by Dressage South Africa. Yes, okay. and it, it's an, on a national level, but yeah. Okay. So, yes, and then. Okay, so in the FEI tests are the international level tests. Yes. But we use them, obviously. Yes, we yeah, use okay. them for our levels. They're, okay. they're beautiful flowing tests, so yes, one yeah. shouldn't have to redo them yeah. um and pre-st george is with the flying changes every four strides three strides and half pirouettes okay. with collection um well there's small to into one has the full pirouettes which is quite a big jump for some riders mm -hmm. and the two time changes and then small that is quite a jump from the yeah. pre-st george to that okay. well that's why we added a level of of championships yes. this year because oh, that had the young riders test. No, yeah, in it, I think. So okay. that we had a pre St George championship for mm -hmm. those people whose horses aren't ready to do the inter one okay. um, tests, or, or, and the people either not ready or not mm. wanting to. It's actually lovely to yeah. separate it. And then there's the medium tour, the beginning of Piaf and Passage, and the ones and everything, and okay. they supposedly make things a lot easier. And prepare the horse for Grand Prix, although they're very tricky tests. And then you have the Grand Prix with all. I remember, um, I remember doing the medium tour tests, and I think it's just that they make the transitions are so it says between these markers yes. you can do Piaf and Passage. Um, so just, and I think medium tour was introduced not recently, but there used to be small tour and big tour. Yes, and then so it was intermediate kind of, of thing a, to help a bridge, yeah, to okay. encourage, yeah. Okay. And in South Africa, how do riders progress up the grades? Can you just go and put your horse in at any grade? No, you or... can't. Um, so what happens is you generally enter at prelim or novice level. You become a member. You Well, you don't have to become a member, but you start at prelim novice level. And then when you've got 10 points, one point, um, you get one point for when you get 60% in a test. And so, okay. you know, it increases. And when you've got 10 points, you can go up. Okay. Yeah. You okay. Can upgrade. So, and then, and then that would be for each grade. So, ten points yes. to go from novice to elementary. Yes. And you can start in novice or prelim. It doesn't matter. Yeah, no. Okay. And then ten points from elementary up. And then once you're in, once you're riding small to and above, does the same still apply? You still need. It your does post? apply to go up, but okay. you can choose to ride down if you're okay. having problems in the higher levels. You can. You can always ride upper grade. So even if if you're in, say you graded novice. You can try an elementary test. Oh, you don't nice. have to have okay. the tent, but you'll get your points in novice, not in elementary. Okay. Yeah. And for people who want to start an affiliated riding journey, mm. what is the starting point? Do they come to the DSA website first? They come to the okay. DSA website. They um, log on, obviously, and there's a choice. You can be a recreational or entry-level rider. Okay. If you're an entry level, if you choose to do that, it's about it's very reasonable. It's about 175 rand. I stand oh, to be great. corrected. Okay. The horse will be registered, okay. but it won't get grading points, and it's free of charge. Children are, I think, 50 rand a year. The, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, okay. and then so you can do that. Okay. The the points are then kept um, on record, but you don't see them okay so that if you do become a full member you will then get your oh, points that's fantastic yeah. oh, that's really lovely okay so, so people can make the choice halfway through yes. the year if they're really loving dressage yes. to upgrade and yeah continue. And, and obviously you're limited to prelim and novice okay. at that level and then if you want to become a full member obviously 
you go through the okay. motions. Yeah. I know Dressage um, actually did a wonderful thing for Gauteng Champs where they allowed non-affiliated novice horses to compete in the main championship class. Oh, so they're, they're, un- yeah, they're, yes. not, they're affiliated. They are affiliated, but un- probably from the ungraded Yes, and Yes, yeah. Okay. So it was, it was just like, I think it was quite an inclusive way of getting getting more entries up in a sport that, like you say, can sometimes seem to be a little bit prohibitive mm-hmm. or, or uninviting. Um, and then how does DSA tie up with the FEI, with the International Equestrian Federation? Okay, so we, we follow um, some of the, well, we always... We always adhere to their rules. Okay. With our tack rules and things like that, what bits you can use and all that, we adhere to them 100%. Okay. Um, for our bigger shows, if if our rules and the SAF rules are silent, we fall back on the FEI rules. Okay. Yeah. I think that's also helpful, I suppose, for people when they are trying to do, for example, a CDI show. There's no change in rules or tack or everything yeah. is congruent the entire way through. Yes. And then is is DSA also the communication link for riders to the FER? They can't no. go, okay. The Federation is. The oh, so the SAF is always the yes. post box. Okay. So they, they come through us if they're dressage riders, and then we will communicate whatever they need to F, uh, SAF, who will then speak to okay. the FER. Um, and then, Di, we spoke briefly about what different kinds of dressage competitions can run in South Africa. So when I started... I thought that, you know, the local show was the the be-all and end-all. It was terribly exciting. All of us. (laughs) So you obviously get your your district, you know, your local club shows. And then from there, what is again? Okay, so basically I'm only going to talk about the affiliated shows that are part of of DSA. So you basically get your shows in your area which are graded or ungraded but affiliated. Okay. Um, So you have to be a member. I can go into why it's... Should you mind? I I think that's great. Okay, so if you are a member and you go to an affiliated show, you're going to have to have first aid. That's the number one thing. Mm. Welfare of the horse will be paramount. So there will, if there is a recourse, if horses are being abused or something happens, you still can go back to either us or the SAF. You are also going to be competing with horses that have had um, have passports and have directly vaccinated mm. there is the SAF insurance and the, obviously we pay into it so if you if there is an accident or anything you can claim you know if you're on the way to the show at the show whatever um you're going to be judged by judges who we put as you know an awful lot of money into yes. for their training so basically what it is is having a level playing field I think also having access to those judges is imperative for your own education yes. to get quality feedback. You yeah. know, we'd all love to go and get eights, nines, and tens, but having having really good judging yes. can really change your your riding career. Yeah, no, it can. I mean, oh. obviously, you're getting a, a kind of educated assessment of what you're oh. doing, and as you say, eights, nines, and tens are really wonderful. But if Wouldn't you're serious nice about it, yeah, yeah well. <laughs> I think also under that um, would fall the safe sport yes. that, that SAEF is introducing. So, yes. so it, it protects the riders from bullying and harassment if they are at an affiliated yes. show. So basically what, what we've had, we've had cases where a judge is abused, but they're at an unaffiliated show and we have absolutely no jurisdiction. So we cannot then go and um, mm. do any disciplinary or even do any hearings or anything. And, and basically the same with horse abuse. Yes, you know, it's it's sad to say, but the, things do happen. They, unplay. They, mm. it just does, and um, we don't have any jurisdiction over that if it's unaffiliated. I think also speaking to when you said the welfare of the horse, that you know the other horses there are correctly vaccinated. Yes. you're just in a different league. I think yeah. every everyone's just a bit safer and hopefully yes. well looked after. Um, sorry. So going back to the types of competitions. Okay, so, so we start. Okay, so we start with the sort of affiliated, ungraded, if you want to do that. You then go on to your local shows in your area, which are affiliated, and you can go and get grading points when you compete, you know, if you're a full member or whatever. Um, from there, you would go to your provincial championships, okay. which fall under the province. And that would be Gauteng, Gauteng Dressage Champs, okay. champs what, whichever province okay. you're in. Um you then have the South African Championships, which you are not closed at, 
we we welcome everybody. We're very keen so you don't to have to qualify. So to you don't have to qualify okay. to ride at these shows. Um, then the next lot of shows we have, which are national, sh well, those are the um, South African Championships is under the national committee. Okay. Um, the next thing we have is the um, DSA tra uh, Challenge. So that show is held in, I think, seven provinces, two, okay. uh, three joined together. Um, we sponsor the judges. DSA pays for the judges to travel from province to province. to These try are the same judges. Yes. So you have, okay, okay let me explain properly. But mm -hmm. you have two judges who go around the country. So they go from uh, from province to province judging the same tests, obviously, um, and um, to get a result overall for the country. So what it is is that you don't actually have to travel, travel. with your horse That's to wonderful. SA Champs. It's very, very popular with the smaller provinces. Okay. So they, they don't have the opportunity to travel, mm. and it's becoming more and more expensive. So they're able to measure themselves against the That's rest wonderful. of the country. That's really lovely. Yeah, it, it, it's very, it, it may not be so popular in the big provinces where people are so spoiled for choice, mm. but in the smaller provinces, it's really a big deal. Yeah, I remember so, actually speaking to Nicole and saying something about, oh, we don't want to drive all the way to Pretoria. It's like an hour and a half away, and Nicole just went... I sometimes used to drive 10 hours to go to a show. Well, she used to drive so. four hours for one class and then back again. <laughs> you see. Yeah, we are so spoiled we, here. Yeah. Um, and then the next, so that's the DSA challenge. Then we have the World Dressage Challenge, which um, the, the FEI used to run it on the same basis as the DSA challenge with two judges who'd go around the region, but they unfortunately stopped that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so what you have is one of your own country's judges and another, you have to have an international judge. We don't have any in the region, so we bring someone in. Okay. And the scores then get put amongst, against the scores of the other people That's in great. your region. And who else is in South Africa's region? Australia, New Zealand. Um, That's some stiff competition. Yeah, okay. I think Hong Kong, I don't know about, I don't think India is, I think um, Japan. Okay. Yeah. So we, I, I don't know why they changed us because we used we to be against Brazil and yeah. I think, and okay. Yeah. And our fellow African countries are not, they have their own different, um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Their own okay. group. Yeah. Okay. And then after the, after the world dressage challenge, we have the CDI, which is, um, the international competition, um, run by the, F, well, it's, it's under FEI rules. Uh, the the CDI two star would be a competition. It used to be until well, it's up until this year. You could run it um, Grand Prix. You have three judges. They have to be, I think, all three star judges minimum. Okay. Or no, no, you could have a two star judge. Okay. And um, we've had those. Everybody loves them. That you don't have a need to stable the horses on the property as with the three stars. Yes. Um, but it's and a wonderful opportunity to it get this international. It is. Unfortunately, it's changed. Because oh, as of okay. this year, right. it's only allowed to run up until medium tour. Oh. At the end of this year. Oh, okay. As far as I know. I don't okay. know if there's going to be a chance to change it. So then you would have to have a three-star. And, of course, that means five judges, five three-star judges, and stabling and security and everything. So mm. it's kind of put it out of our league. But that would also be an opportunity for people who wanted to qualify locally to compete internationally. No, no, because to qualify, that. okay, for World Games, possibly, yeah. if you had two of those shows and you got the qualifying scores. Which and is 65. We, 66. Okay. And we had, um, and the FEI agreed that those could, because you have to prearrange all these okay. things. So I think it's a year in advance where you would do that. So you, if you had two of those shows, um, although it's getting more difficult, I, I'm contradicting myself because I'm just trying to think. Teams would have to still be overseas because we are okay. now up against um, different teams. I'm just trying to think for World Games. I think we could actually qualify here okay. because... But, but, I mean, getting a horse overseas from... But the Olympics is... now is people chasing ranking points. So you have to do so many shows... To okay. be the highest ranked. And in our group, it's um, Africa and the Middle East. So we're against Morocco. Um, the, um, Yassine, the guy who represents Morocco, has gone to a lot of Olympics. Palestine has sent people to, um, okay. they, I think, it, they ho they've hoped to. 
the Middle East, Qatar, and those countries are starting to get quite strong dressage riders. So it's going to be a lot more difficult for us. So the answer is for people like Nicole and Greta to be based overseas where they are. Well, yeah, Nicole, I think, has had enough of it. But yeah, anybody who wants to do it. Okay. At this stage, yeah. Okay, the answer is to to go and plug it out in Europe. Okay. Um. What role do you, you touched on the judges briefly and said yeah. the DSA spends so much money developing these judges. What is the role of judges in the sport and how do people qualify to become judges? So the, the I actually would like a judge to answer this. Sure. The role of judges in the sport, it's a crucial role totally. because the entire sport is based on the judgment of a person yeah. sitting watching you and giving um, and scoring your movements. And it's incredibly difficult. So for anyone who, who is is not familiar with it, a dressage test is a, a series of, I think it's a minimum of 18 movements or of for 10 marks each. And it is, obviously we've got a, a set structure on what is a one out of 10 versus what is a 10 out yes. of 10. But at the end of the day, it is, it is a subjective sport which makes it quite hard as opposed to show jumping where if you have a pole you have a pole yeah. is the old argument it does make it subjective but from the fei of what the fei has done and and um what we have a very comprehensive uh, training program here everything is really prescribed mm-hmm. so i think as long as you understand and really are familiar with um your training rules and scale. training scale and everything and and the the judges um training mm. you would be reasonably um, good i think dsa was very involved recently with um they've been i think peter holler was even teaching today yes so, and that's a wonderful opportunity for the judges and riders and coaches to all come together yes with, with i this think kind so of i think that's what we need is to mm-hmm. have the especially the judges and coaches and riders to understand each other. I think Katrina Voost, who came out with Dressage yes. Connection, she and Peter Hollow are both five-star judges who've judged at Olympics and well, and also the judges mm. from the CDI. They're all five-star judges mm. yes. yeah. who are brilliant at their training of other judges, as well as have a huge, huge knowledge of coaching and of, of the whole sport. Mm. And we've been very, very fortunate to have all these people. And and be there's able been, to there's been a lovely rush, I think, post-COVID. Yeah. Yes. Of people really enjoying this and, and the world's becoming so accessible, I think, with I, I, I saw Peter Hollow was live streamed today. Yes. So that's really great. It allows people around the country to tap into that. Um, if people want to become judges, who's allowed to become a judge? I think anyone who's got an interest in riding, preferably a rider, but I think that and, and somebody who's kind of knows something about dressage and the sport. Um if you want to become an FEI judge, you have to have ridden at least to pre-St. George level. Oh, that's that's yeah. interesting. That's mm. great. Um, it certainly does. And then the 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 process of actually then becoming a judge, they write, I know that they, they, write, they, they an write an entrance exam, yeah. which is examines them on the rules. Okay. And then they become a trainee judge and... Um, there's a massive there. commitment of hours. I know that they have to sit and shadow judge and scribe and yes, I would, I, I'm not so able can... to give you a full scale thing of that, but yeah, it is. They basically huge. you don't just get to swan in and become no, a judge, no. despite what despite what dressage competitors may think. We don't pick these people off the streets, and you know, um, you have two really wonderful programs in place that I want to talk about, and you might have more that you want to discuss. The first is your Solidarity Stars program, which we saw in action at SA Champs over the last week. Please tell us a bit about this. I've just loved this program, and I'm lucky enough to be one of the coaches on it, so I don't want to button and take over. I've just been overwhelmed with with the support that this program has received. Okay, so I am also I'm very excited. I mean, mm. I'm delighted with the outcome yeah. as well. Um, the, it started off... I don't know if Charlene was at the forum and we'd had some money left over from the lead program, which unfortunately got, it was a program for children. Mm. Well, for the youth part of Sinisa, um, you know, who were riding for Sinisa. Um, and it consisted of a lot of boot camps and things. Yes. So we did the first year and then COVID hit. And then, unfortunately, we couldn't carry on with mm. it. It just became impossible. So there was a bit of money left over. 
And I said, look, return it to the FBI because we can't continue. And then Charlene phoned me from um, the forum and said, think of something. What, what can we do? What can we do? And yeah, I just thought, well, what better than to try? It has to be for riders. For, um, that's wonderful. Yeah. And um, that's where it started. So we um, put somebody in charge, Montanique. Wilson, who's done an absolutely unbelievable job. Montique's been really passionate about transformation and development yes. for ages. And yes. she said, when I did speak to her, I said, Monty, this must be your dream come true. She says, the moment I left the committee, they phoned me and they say, we've got money for you. Finally, after after four years. I know. Well, so, yeah. well money is a big problem as of course, you know, for everybody. Always, yeah. um, so Montanique took it and we put an expression of interest out and we got um, a whole lot of riders um who were keen to join and it it started like that it was offering tuition as you know for people and then for them to make teams to come to sa champs disadvantaged riders um and what can i say they they had they their tuition third, they had their two months yes the one team the, finished third and the other seventh yeah. but they had their tuition Thanks to Western Shop, we got Absolutely, some very heavily yes, yeah. discounted um, outfits, a riding kit for them. I mean, they were sponsored hats, briefs, yeah, yeah, they jackets. Yes, I mean, I know that there was a yes, a but, payment, yeah, but it was wonderful. But but these people were passionate. And we did constant progress reports, and they were absolutely fantastic. Every single one of them was amazing, and um, we're very very proud because Shepherd. The one um, guy came second in the uh, he novice beat me. championship. Oh, he beat me. It's very sore topic. Second well and, done. Yes. And it then I know there were other placings. Yeah. I can't think of them offhand. And then um, Eddie from Cape yes. Town, Eddie Newman, won the consolation. Yes. And our teams in the interprovincial novice team championship, the one team came third. The other team came seventh, but they all tried their guts out and they were amazing. They, they were, the improvement, I think, in all the riders, and it yes. really is just such a, a testament to what good coaching can do and what a good program and supportive program. And giving program. people an opportunity. Yes, exactly. And, and you, people who are hungry for it, who yeah. absolutely went for it. And I have to tell you, just speaking to um, Bonga Gumbo was, was the development rider I worked with for a client of mine, Christelle, and... Speaking to him at one point, I mean, I get really choked up about it because I said to him, you know, are you enjoying the program? Like how? And he just said, said, I can't believe I get to do this. I can't believe I get to go to compete at the South African National Championships. He started riding three years ago. And it, it really, for me, I think reignited quite a passion, you know, for, for the sport and teaching and kind of going, you know, in a sport that, as you said, is so financially I don't want to say, um, you know, Difficult. decide. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, and a lot of us, a lot of riders out there often feel like it doesn't matter how good you are, it matters what you're riding. Mm -hmm. And that that is unfortunately a consideration. To see these riders come and riding on horses that don't belong to them and just passionately putting in the work. And someone like Shep, of course, is just such a testament mm -hmm. to the program. It really, really was. And he um, he was hot on the hill, heels of uh, Missy Morgan. Know. He won the novice championship, so it was a really tightly contested class. No, it was, and I mean, it was so, two pools. There were a lot of forces. No, it was phenomenal. Was really it was so exciting. It was you. I really, we we really were torn. Crystal came over to me to me. She says, "I've got terrible news and great news." So I said, "What's the terrible news?" She says, "You're not leading anymore." So she says, "But the great news is that Shep's Shep's in the lead at the moment," and it really was just one of those wonderful moments where you couldn't have been happier for someone. It was a really, really just such a great program. And is the program going to continue going yes. forward? Yes, we will, we're hoping to provide two lessons a month for them and a show a month. That's just amazing. So with the coaches who've been teaching them. I think it would be an absolute shame to have this sort of flash in the pan thing where they got mm. this opportunity and then they were dumped. But I have to say one thing. I really would like to thank the owners of the horses. Absolutely. Because they Absolutely. are the biggest sponsors of all. So, so let's, yeah, someone else. Yeah, so I would like to thank them. No, I really would. That's And I must say, I think the owners have all been so incredibly gracious and passionate. It's been so wonderful yeah. to see the enthusiasm mm -hmm. of of them throughout the whole process and, and to see these partnerships develop. It's really been yeah. really special. No, but really, 
Big thanks. Um, the the second program that's um, DSR knows, and I think the second year of, of running now is the coaching program. Yeah, the technical skills for coaches and technical skills yes. for riders as well. Yes, that's the... So what happened was with COVID, everyone was stuck. And regular Nihas, um, well, I'd been, we'd been trying to do some kind of thing with the coaches. But obviously, traveling from city to city, well, from place to place around South Africa is almost impossible. Mm. I mean, you just don't reach anyone. Mm. So with, the, with COVID, I think they were all sort of going crazy. And she came up with this idea that she'd like to start running these um, webinars for the coaches and do focus on technical skills, not generic coaching or anything, but technical dressage skills. So the first, um, the first lot of um, the set of webinars, the first series was last year, was incredibly successful. Um, regular expect, and I don't know whether you've kept up with it, yes, where um, people have yeah. to um, answer questions. So it's not just sort of an attendance register, pretending no. that you there when you're yeah. asleep or doing something <laughs> else. Yeah. And um, it was unbelievably successful. She and her team of coaches, Nile Quirk's been um, Irish um, coach has been yes. very helpful. Yako Faree, um, Lillian Marlowe, but there's a group. I can't even name yes, them. It's the men, a really coach wonderful, mentors. the coach developers. The coach yeah. developers, yes. And they were basically um, people who'd come from the FEI um, coach developers course. They, a lot of them. Yes. So they've been unbelievably good. They've been running these um, webinars and they'd, you would be able to tell us which topics they were. This year they're running level two for actual dressage riders, but the first level is That's a wonderful said, for any mm. discipline for everybody yes. who's keen to do it, and the same for the riders. It just it's it's a really wonderful. So I think the um, the topic last week, if I'm not mistaken, was the turn on the forehand, and just discussing how this entry level to lateral work can improve every horse's strength, mm -hmm. suppleness, balance, how to ride it. Um, and they open the floor for questions at the end of every webinar. And it's great because you get a really wide, and it's it's funny, especially being based in high-performance sport in Kailami, which feels like the heart of horse sports, you know, so in South Africa in so many ways. Um, it's so easy to get a little bit snooty. It, it is easy to get mm -hmm. snooty. And it's interesting because these webinars are open to the country, you get an amazing variety of questions and you can really see how this program is working, Di. It's really wonderful that you've got people across all disciplines and walks of life having access to this program. Well, it's a major um, spin-off from COVID, one of the few. What, yeah, <laughs> what a blessing. How do people find out more information about the coaching program? Who can they email? Well, they can. Um, I actually, I'm, I'm I sure don't know. On the DSA website, um, I, I can. They have their own website as well. Okay. Um, Sorry, I, I can. Um, no, it's fine. Um, I don't want to regular. Please don't hate me. But anyone who is interested in it, um, regular Kneehouse, who is heading the coach developers program, um, her email address is coaches at dressagesa.com. Okay, thank you. And I think that's probably the best. Sorry, I don't know where else to direct them. Regular, please don't hate me if you get five thousand emails. But um, I really think that's a that's a fantastically worthwhile program. Yeah, and it is for anyone mm. who's interested. It's not just at the horsemanship program yeah. i think it's really yeah. die for you've been pretty and I, I want to really stress this because it's it's the sport depends so much on volunteers you're a volunteer in your role yes you're not doing this for fame or fortune this is you're actually doing this for what i think is an awful lot of abuse a lot of the time because if things go well people just are happy and they go along their merry way and when things go badly it does feel like it's the the, the da that gets the brunt of everything um, how long is your tenure as president? So I never planned to be president. I never wanted to be president. But unfortunately, the previous president had health issues and resigned. And then I, I sort of stood, I um, took over for a while. And then there were no other volunteers or suckers, suckers. or whatever. <laughs> so I was voted in. So that's a two-year, it ends next year. And then... After that, I haven't decided what whether to and, stay or go. And because because I feel quite strongly about this, um, our sport being based in in volunteers. If people want to get involved, mm. do, where's the best place for them to start? Is it with their club? Is it with their provincial? I would committee? say 
With their provincial committee. Okay. Yes. So they would each go, so in our case, it's the Gauteng Dressage yes. Committee, and they can easily find it, I think, on, yes. on Facebook or wherever. Yes, and just say, I, okay. and then we'll keep them forever. <laughs> keep, <laughs> keep them trapped. What are, you, what are your next hopes for Dressage South Africa or for Dressage in South Africa? Okay, so that's, that's a difficult question. Number one, I'm just so pleased that we have our solidarity team. Yes. That was my biggest hope and I would hope that that continues and that it grows all the time and that we're able to give people opportunity to continue. Um, I hope that we have very strong, which I think we did have uh, competitions with this last ever in, champs was amazing. Yeah, ever improving mm -hmm. riders. The Peter Holler, the judge. Sorry, Peter, if you hear this, and I'm quoting you. He's been coming to South Africa on and off for I don't know twenty years, maybe. And he just said that he really enjoyed the show and he's, he hasn't been for a while. He was absolutely thrilled with the improvement in standard from the, I think he judged from small tour up or I'm not entirely yeah. sure, but just generally watching the standard of riding and the horses and everything absolutely. have improved enormously. And that for me is, is the most important that we just don't, don't say, you You know, you get people who say, oh, well, what are you worried about? Don't follow the rules. You're not going to the Olympics. Well, who says? Mm. Also, I think it's that important trickle-down effect where where excellence is just a daily habit. And if not if not for, for us, you know, certainly for, like I teach some amazing young riders, and the hope for them should be that they are, they are, their coaching and their ability is of such okay. a standard. You've that just reminded me. Yes, that we have many, many children and um, juniors and people joining us because that is a big sadness at the mm. moment. We have we're really short of young of riders. Young riders, well, as in from children or a pony riders. I think upwards. that's it's tragedy. I I, I think that um, is there is there a hand holding between DSA and Sinisa? Well, that's... we do in a way because the Sinisa kids who ride at Sinisa can. Um, become members and get grading points. Okay. So there is that. And then they could, comp I mean, the, the allure then is for them to be able to compete in their provincial championships and yes. to get their provincial we, we would love them to, but okay. unfortunately most of them are, uh, not unfortunately, I mean, they keep riding with Sinisa. The main thing, and what our lead program was meant to do, but unfortunately it didn't happen, was to teach them the skills in dressage that they would really enjoy it and want to continue mm. when they finished school. That, yes, I think that's the... Yeah, that, that, unfortunately... I think I find really interesting as well as dressage seems to be um, quite a, a... It's a lifelong affair, you mm. know? It's something that's... And I'm very interested always by the ages of the Olympians, which is quite well documented, to see that the oldest Olympians consistently are the dressage riders. And even though the younger riders have access to amazing training and horses... You, you sometimes see them peaking a little bit, um, when I say later on, they're not peaking like the gymnasts, for no. example, at 13 or 15, which is quite a, it's, it's, this, it's, this, it's not a strength thing. It's a, well, the one know. rider, Mr. Huketsu, who Nicole kind of befriended on her journey, mm -hmm. it, um, his last Olympics, he was 74, Japanese rider. That's amazing. <laughs> That's just fantastic. So I think that also just, I love that it is this. This lifelong yeah. affair with the with yes. the sport, you know, and I think it was um, uh, Iwanovsky who who was on his deathbed, and someone said, like, do you have any regrets? And he said, I just regret that I didn't learn more about dressage, or you know, I'm paraphrasing. And I think that I mean, you can hear that and be devastated by it because you know sometimes at thirty we think we know quite a lot, but um, I think that's just such a lovely, mm. a lovely way of approaching the sport. And joining us now via Zoom all the way from Germany, we have Greta Ferreira, now known as Greta Hausmann. Greta has just competed in the World Equestrian Games representing South Africa and taking not only herself but the country to a personal best of 70%, which is really an outstanding achievement. Um, I did say to Greta that her horse, known as Donnie, must have a very strong back because he had an entire nation riding that particular competition with him. Thank you so much for joining us, Greta. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We're very good. Thank you. Um, you've just got married, had a honeymoon, competed at Herning. 
You're raising a one-year-old. Thank you so much for making time to join us tonight. We really appreciate it. We have to thank Leo because he finally fell asleep. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. We've all we've we've all been all been there, all three of us sitting here. Yeah. So great. So just before we we discuss herning, which I'm sure so many people are dying to hear about, including myself, would you mind just telling us like where your dressage career began? Poor. Where do I start, Georgie? <laughs> we of course know each other for a long time. Um, yeah, but I think. Because my whole life, I've basically been riding and uh, started really early at three and a half. My mom took me to a riding school. but uh, And then in children's, I pretty much did all the disciplines and jumping and eventing and dressage with Claire Webb. And then when it was time to go to juniors, I then transitioned to dressage and Karen Keller became my coach. And I fell in love with dressage and the rest is pretty much history. <laughs> What made you fall in love with dressage? I mean, it's easy for, for Di, myself, and you to talk about this because I think when you've had that feeling, it's just there's yeah. nothing like it. But maybe you can be a bit more eloquent than us. So um, I, I have a very vivid image of my, in my mind, and I've, I've, I've spoken about this in a lot of interviews. And I'll, I just thought till this day I won't forget this moment. And I was... Uh, I got my first horse and he was standing at Claire Webb's and he was in the, um, in the field in the morning and we went and uh, he got excited about something. And then in the, in the moment he was pretty much doing a passage in the field. And at that point, I didn't know what that was, but I was fascinated by how this horse was moving. And to this day, it's such a vivid image in my mind. And I just thought, I want to know, how that horse is doing that and I want to recreate it when I'm riding it <laughs> and it, it it for some reason something bit me in that moment and that is just what I was like and then Claire was such a good coach you know because honestly she has had so many different type of um, children riders and, and pony riders with her and she really has um, groomed all of us to figure out what it is that our passion is and she said look Greta I think if this is something that interests you, then you should probably go into dressage. And she then put me in contact with Karen Keller and that is how it all started. And yeah, so that's where the whole, the love for dressage started. I think I was about 13, 12 or 13. So yeah. That's just wonderful. And where are you based now, Greta? And why are you based where you're based? Yeah, so we, um, I'm based in a town called Mulaimanderua. And um, the closest big town to it in Germany is Dusseldorf. It's like 15 minutes away from us, Dusseldorf. And uh, I'm based in Germany because if you want to do these level of international shows, you have to be, uh, I think like Di and, and Nicole also know, you have to be based in, in Europe and uh, you have to be somewhere central where you can travel to all these big shows i mean if we travel to these shows some of the shows are still six to eight hours away but it is all doable um and i think i think at the end of the day germany is just quite central and uh and, and as a as a heart and a hub of of the sport so dressage i mean now specifically yes. so I think yeah. Germany is the hub of so much equestrian sport i mean it's just yeah wonderful. that's true i was just saying to <laughs> yeah. die very um very um naively you know for south africans we feel like Kailami, which is obviously was your home at one stage is the heart of our yeah. equestrian sport but it's a very different kind of scenario compared to you guys yeah. Yeah. um greta won't you tell us a little bit about your horses okay where, where, where do you guys want me to start <laughs> so i think we all want to know about donnie but also yeah. who your up-and-coming horses are and why you have these horses. I'm very fascinated by the journey with your horses. I think Dani was, okay. uh, was meant to be a show jump. No, that was... No, Lavinia. no, that was, that was, that was Lavinia. So um, long story short, in 2013, um, I was finished with studying at University of Pretoria. And yeah, ideally, I think... I would have wanted to go overseas straight after my trick, but my mom and dad was very strict about getting a degree and I'm happy I did it because I have it behind my name. You and have an LL, you never LLB, I think, No, become investment management. Okay. Even yeah. better. And, and, and then uh, you went and chose the worst investment possible. I mean, the irony is Pretty much. Not I went lost. and decided to invest in horses and <laughs> <laughs> not stocks. <laughs> yeah. No, um, 
yeah and then when i was finished with studying i said to my parents look i really they they of course knew what my passion was always and i said i really want to still go overseas and um 2013 we went over to denmark and we looked at horses and the plan was actually to find a horse and to bring it back to south africa and then when i got uh, here to europe i just realized this is my dream and this is what I want to do and this is where I want to be. And if I want to achieve something, I have to be here. Um, if I want to achieve the big things that I wanted to achieve. And uh, yeah, and then uh, I, we looked at a lot of horses and uh, I found Zidane or we found Zidane at Halstrand. We looked at him and uh, he was a four and a half year old, really scrawny, but I just fell in love with him. And uh that was not the plan at all. The plan was to come over and look for a horse that's, say, six or so that could maybe already do walk trot transitions, that flying changes didn't have to be in. But it, the plan was to get a horse to take back to South Africa. And I got here and I just realized, look, if I'm going to have to, uh, for the amount of money that we had to spend at that time, I will have to go for a younger horse with a higher quality because the moment these horses can do things here in Europe, they are... Uh, so expensive it's sometimes unaffordable so um yeah so we we got to done and I realized there's no point in bringing him back to South Africa if I want to be here and I want to do things here and that's where the whole journey started so he was actually the first horse that we got um here in Europe and he was four and a half and then my whole process started of um flying back and forth between South Africa and uh coming here for so, so the Dan stayed, <laughs> it's really a funny story. The Dan stayed at Halstrand then. And at that stage, Daniel Bachmann Anderson was still working for Halstrand. And Daniel then trained me on Zidane. And then when I was not uh, there in, in, in Denmark, he would ride Zidane and keep him fit. And then I would come go over and ride with Daniel and Zidane. And then uh, after a few years or two years or so, I think, yeah, three years it was, I just decided this is not working in the sense of flying back and forth. It's just too time consuming. It is too expensive. And I cannot completely submerge myself into the sport like you have to if you want to achieve these things. Why were you flying home? And then home? I made the decision. Say again? Why were you flying home at that st stage instead of basing yourself? Family. I think mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it is really hard to go to a different country that's not your home, <laughs> mm -hmm. that's not South Africa, and um, to sit there alone. And there was many nights of crying and being alone and being like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And it's a very, very hard process if you're doing this alone. You get thrown into a country where you're driving on the wrong side of the road, you can't speak the language, you're completely over overstimulated over like completely overflowed in a way with all this information that you kind of have to be to a point and say right you know and I mean at that point I was still very young um so it's a it's a it's a big learning curve and you have to really be tough <laughs> to I do it I think a lot of people glamorize say, right. it and it's actually as as you say and I know as Nicole has said before it's it's really stressful. It's stressful. It's scary. It's and it's it a is. very solitary journey. It, it's a very very yin um, like you would say in Afrikaans. <laughs> Love that. It's uh, you give up a lot. You give a lot. You give up a lot to do this. And um, I think the biggest thing you give up is being around your family. Mm. That is definitely for me still to today. It's the it's a very hard thing. And yes, I'm married now and I have my own child, but um, not to have it's, it's Al Marie with you. Yeah, yes. I'm sure she wants to be. <laughs> exactly. She wants to be a present granny. I'm sure. Yes, yeah. <laughs> very much so. so. So it is video calls all the time, and it's it's never the same, Georgie. But at the end of the day, you have to you have to weigh up what you're doing here and what is your passion and what do you really want to mm. achieve? And, you know, if, are you willing to do it or not? Mm. And that's what it comes down to. Sorry. And then besides Donnie, you have, you, you then got Lavinia and you have a lovely gray as well, who I can't yeah. recall at the moment. Yeah. So, so the gray is called Kaliani. We, we call him Kali, Kali bear to be exact, because he's just an absolute teddy bear. They are, all my horses have completely, completely different, uh, 
personalities, attitudes. And uh, the funny thing, though, is, is that everyone keeps saying to me, oh, Greta, you don't really have a type. And then I said, no, I don't have a type. But what, the one thing is that I've realized is that every single one of my horses has got some type of jumping blood in them. That's interesting. So I clearly do have some type of <laughs> type on the mother line because they all have uh, jumping blood in them. Those old venting roots of yours. Yes, yeah. I, I really honestly think something there comes through, Georgie, because it's the weirdest thing. Every single horse that I seem to connect with or or, or find um, like my type of horse has some type of jumping line in it. Rita, what are what are like three things that you look for? I mean, obviously you found Donnie when he was really young and he's just spectacular. But what are three things Thanks. that you would advise people to look for in a horse if they were looking for a high performance dressage horse? besides massaging in the, I don't in the want, field yeah <laughs> no this is a, a, a big thing I don't want to um, like I think the thing is the following I can jump in here and say rideability and this and that the the problem is the following for me <laughs> um, I have now trained three different horses here in Europe to Grand Prix and they've all been completely different and Lavinia has had unbelievable rideability 100% she will take a bullet for you and she will continue doing it Zidane has been an obscenely difficult journey so when it comes to rideability I can't say that that is the thing uh, that that it was that that got him to Grand Prix and Kali in itself um, is also not the most rideable I think if if I, if I have to be honest, I think it comes to, and it's hard to put that in words and it's hard to see that in a horse, but it comes to heart. It comes to, does this horse have heart mm. to do this? Because it's not always about the most rideable horse or the easiest horse that goes to Grand Prix. These horses, when you get to this level of Grand Prix, there's something else that you can't really put into words that they have to have. It's a fire that will fight for you. So I think it's more about can you connect with this horse that is in front of you and can you build a partnership with this horse? I think that's more important. Will you saying, go to war for your horse? It's, it's a Say very, that again? Will you go to war for your horse? It's a very two-way yes. street. And it sounds very oh. like theatrical in a way, but I've, oh. I've, I've gone through this now many times and it is through and through the thing that comes out at the end is what type of relationship can you build with this horse? Is this horse a horse that it doesn't have to have people. It doesn't have to have many people that it trusts, but does it trust you? That's the most important, I think. Um, we were talking about the origins of dressage early on and saying that it's it was originally a cavalry discipline, you know, mm. and that's how it yeah. was born. And it's interesting that you you raised that. I really love that. Who are you currently coaching with, Greta? You're going to laugh, but uh, no one except Patrick. Patrick has oh, wow. been for That's the last fantastic. since, since uh, 2018 when we went to the World Equestrian Games. Uh, it's been him and I. That's <laughs> and uh, we, we, just, we just work together. Yeah, sometimes he's very harsh on me and then I get harsh back. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> It works and he has a phenomenal eye and he's strict with me and he, he says a thing as it is. He's German in that way. And even though he doesn't ride at this level, some people just have this natural ability to see things, you know, that mm. are that are capable. So, um, yeah, it's been him and I and it's it's been a, a, a very big momentous moment for us. Uh, what happened in WIG, of course, because we've been at it day in, day out. And uh, yeah, so. Um, what, for, for yourself as a rider, but also for other riders, what's the biggest thing that you, for yourself as a rider, have like invested in from a personal development point of view? Like a lot of people swear by Pilates, other people say mental coaching is the absolute, you know, like cornerstone of their training what what were you would you say riders must prioritize? Mind, definitely mind. That's interesting. I think yeah. the sport is so <laughs> so hectic um, in the sense of psychological. People sometimes don't understand how psychologically mm. taxing it can get. 
and you know we always say like we ride for we ride our horse for 40 minutes and for the rest of the 23 hours of the day we are sitting there thinking about it and it is what it is and uh, <laughs> I have to also be honest I think it, for me it's an addiction because something might not work that day and then I will literally sit there and think about it the whole day the only time I don't think about it is while I'm riding a different horse but the moment uh, I, I really try my hardest that every single horse that I ride and also the, the clients horses that I have here that are here for, with me for training that I really ride every horse and I get on them with a blank slate um, but of course when it, something didn't work with my own horse when I'm finished with with work in that regard and I'm finished teaching everyone I sit there and I start thinking and so yeah mm -hmm. I think psychologically you have to be very strong and you have to uh, mentally prepare yourself for everything totally um, okay, so so tell us about her name. I mean, we're just it just sounds like that there's that iconic photo of you, um, just with both <laughs> fists up in the air. Donny just looks so pleased with himself. He looks like he's smiling. You're grinning. Um, how like obviously you guys have had this enormous long preparation towards this, and this is by no means the penultimate moment in your journey, but obviously to this date it has been. How was your preparation Sorry. for this? And <laughs> are you okay? It's just it's just wonderful, Grace. And oh, you're going to make me cry as well. Please don't do that. We're all so incredibly proud of you. Thanks. <laughs> we're, bu we're busy recording, so we can edit that out. But I really don't want to edit that. Out. <laughs> okay. I just feel it really it's speaks okay. to the uh, absolute raw emotion of of everything yeah, no, you've sacrificed just... and you're believing in the source, going to war for the source, the source going to war for you. And how often in life does it all come together in such a perfect moment? No, it doesn't. It doesn't happen often. And <laughs> I mean, for a lot of other big names in Europe, like a 70% is not a big deal, but it is a very big deal for us. You know, it's a really big deal for us. It's a really big deal for me because at the end of the day, that's always the first goal that we as a rider um, at this level, you know, want to achieve. And um, I think it all just got so momentous because of the amount of times that I literally thought, I'm not going to get this horse to Grand Prix. And it's just, it's, it's just not going to work. And um when it then eventually all comes to plan and you we we all have this um these horses in our life that we believe in and we know what their potential is and he has he has been that um but it's never been able to really pull off or pull together and to have gone out into that stage and to do it there and he just yeah and it wasn't a perfect test but for the for 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 that day, he was the most he was with me ever. And it was just something that you just couldn't put into words. And I think <laughs> um, that's also, I, I couldn't actually help my emotion when I saw the scoreboard. I think lots of people probably thought, oh my gosh, she's crazy. But <laughs> I think at the end of the day, a lot of the riders, of, the, of my fellow riders who were competing with me, um, just like really celebrated with me because they understand this feeling they understand what we work for every day of our life here and what we strive for and the um, amount of disappointment we have to go through every time we go to a show and it doesn't feel off yeah. for whatever reason and uh, yeah it was it was just something so unbelievably special that I'll never ever forget in my life and uh, yeah hopefully I can continue growing and becoming better with him. And yeah, like earlier you said, uh, I must speak about Kali and stuff. And uh, he's also a really special horse. And I, I love them. And I, and everyone always says to me, yeah, who's your favorite horse? And I, I can't answer that, Georgia. I truly honestly can't answer that because it's really honestly two completely different animals. You can't, they have such different characters that you just can't explain playing that uh, and say, right, I love this one more than the other one. Um, but for, for where Zidane and I started and where, where we are now and what happened that day, yeah, 
it was a, a momentous moment for us both, <laughs> for all of us, for our whole team, for me, for Patrick, for Senya, my groom, you know, uh, uh, my my vet, my my farrier. It is. Everyone thinks it's an individual sport, but it's not. It's a so team true. sport, really. Honestly, all these things have to work team. and be, yeah. So. Yeah. I think it's it's also you raise something which is so lovely, and we've just come off of a week of the South African National Dressage Championships here. Yes, I feel. And it's so lovely, Greta, so to hear you 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 push the narrative that the seventy percent was for you the highlight because you often see people coming off a podium in third place, and obviously it's it's a different. You know, I'm sure Charlotte would be disappointed yes. with yeah, the seventy yeah. at some point. But, yeah, yeah, but it's so much about your own journey, dressage. And it's not necessarily 100%. about the win. Sometimes it's about being happy yeah. to get a 60. In your case, to yes. get a 70 and to pull that out, as you said, this enormous, I'm getting choked up again, in this enormous stadium, <laughs> you know, at you you literally had to say to your horse, I need it now. I need everything we've put to, like, I need you yeah. to give it to me now. And he went, okay. And I just think that's. Yeah. It can I? Yes. Please. And I think at the end of the day, Sorry, darling. Yeah, die. No, having watched all of this <laughs> with Nicole and you guys and everything, you you're basically riding against yourself mm. all the time. Yeah, at, at the Always. level that you guys at, you you're riding against yourselves. So when you get yeah. these really good marks, like Greta got, it's it's like mm. as you say, maybe Isabel would be disappointed, but it's this massive, massive totally. achievement that it's nobody. Phenomenal even can believe yeah. It, yeah it's it's really amazing. and and i think i think it, that's exactly what you said uh, what you guys also just said now at the end of the day that that day was my win yeah. <laughs> it was literally like i won for myself yes. and yeah. that's a feeling that you just you know my mom always said greater greater it's always honestly from the day that i can remember Starting dressage, my mom always said to me, Greta, it's always about improving your personal best. That's, That's all that this matters about. And that is exactly what that day was. So it's it's a it's a phenomenal feeling. It's really, it's really great. <laughs> Greta, so you touch on your team and you say your your fair your farrier, your vet, your your groom. Um what what is something that you prioritize horse care wise for your horses? that you think people should give attention to? Yeah, so um, I think what's really important for me, what's been very hard um, in the beginning, uh, now it's it's not so difficult anymore because I'm based uh, here in Mulheim and, and uh, at Patrick's farm here. Um, in the beginning was very hard for me because we in South Africa have a very, very high level of horsemanship where we allow our horses to go out in the fields and the paddocks and there's much more letting a horse be a horse. And that has not been the easiest here in the beginning. It was very hard. Uh, lots of people frowned upon me um, for letting my Grand Prix horses go to the field or sure. whatever. And for me, that from day one has been super important. And I still to this day believe in it. And I will stand by it. And I morally feel very strong about it. And um, for example, here with us, we have what, what's called a paddock box. So the, the, the stable is the stable. And then there's like a, a walkout for every horse so they can walk in and out. And um, most people don't allow their really high level sport horses in a box like that. But I believe the more the horse can move, Absolutely. the better. Because of course, due to weather, they can't, they can't go out. Uh, like we do it in South Africa. They just mm -hmm. can't, you know, if there's snow or there's ice, it's too dangerous. So we really, I personally really try and let my horses be horses as much as possible. That's a big thing for me. I try and get them on different footing quite often um, because I think it's very important for the tendons. The FEI actually but yeah, did think... a great white paper a couple of years ago and the event horses had the longest sound careers in the FEI, yeah. and they put it down to that. And it's, yes, and it's because mm -hmm. they are mostly on different uh, types of footing all the time. Mm -hmm. They are they are being horses at the end of the day. And I think, uh, touch wood, um, so far it's been working for me, and I will continue doing it this way. Um, of course, my bet is here, and, and 
we really look at the horses every three to six months and do checks on them and flexions and see if they're fine. And if they need help somewhere, then we treat them. But uh, so far, everything has been yeah, going smoothly and I'm blessed in that regard. And I think at the end of the day, you have to just uh, try as much as possible, as hard as it is not to try and wrap these horses <laughs> that are this good in cotton wool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you have to let them be horses. Yeah. Well, their mental health is equally as important as ours. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Greta, one last question. What's, what comes next for you? What comes after a 70 at the World Equestrian Games? <laughs> I think um, it's, 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 it's... I, I hoped you were going to say an 80. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we can all yes. dream and I will continue dreaming and I will continue. I think, Georgie, my my biggest dream and my biggest goal um, is to hopefully eventually get in the top 50 of the world in the world rankings. I really want to go for that. Uh, I don't know how long it will take, but it's my next goal. So <laughs> we will see. How, uh, but then I also have to say um, I am a mom and Leah, of course, for me comes first. And um, it was really all, all like really a, a blessing from God that this worked with Weg because it wasn't really planned that I was going to go and do herning. Uh, I didn't know if I would manage to do it after giving birth to Leo. Um, so I think for me right now, I'm taking it day by day. Um, of course, I have my dreams and my goals and I want to improve on the 70 and uh, just keep going at where I'm going at and hopefully um, continue you know, opening or, or, or letting letting the dressage world internationally start to see South Africa as well and see, you know, we are capable and we do have a, a lot of knowledge and uh, a lot to give the uh, the sport in a, in a way. And I think a big thing that we have to give is passion. You know, I think um, a lot of a lot of uh, riders here that's been been at this for so long because the sport is so old they sometimes lose the essence of what dressage is about mm. and and about the, the purity of job. it of, yeah. of, of how you really build this relationship with this horse to do these things for us that they don't have to do let's be honest about it they don't have to go in passage and pf mm. we're making them do that so yeah Thank you so much for joining us here this evening at the SAEF's first Discipline Spotlight. Tonight was dressage. The next Discipline Spotlight will be on driving. But we hope to see you all next week for this next um, podcast. We want to thank our guests tonight, the president of Dressage South Africa, that is Di Smith, and also our dial-in guest from Germany, South African wig competitor, Greta, Greta Hausmann, rather. Thank you so much for joining us.